I'm Jordan Belfort, and this is Sales School. All right, so if you're a business owner, do not let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. Now is time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud-based business system. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control over your financials, inventory, and more. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash school. Remember, at the end of the day, your ability to earn big money as a salesperson will be directly related to your ability to be able to take the common objections and turn them into buyers now. You're always going to have laydowns, the people that are the automatic yeses, right? Any lousy salesperson can close them. Why? Because they were already pre-sold. Your job as a salesperson is not to turn the no's into yeses, it's to take the common objections and turn them into yeses. That's what you're doing. And that is what the back half of the straight line's all about, and specifically looping. Looping is the process of how we take any one of the common objections and we use it as an opportunity to do what? To build more certainty for each of the three tens and then transition into a close without breaking rapport. So someone hits you with a common objection, your goal is to do what? To essentially loop back into presentation mode. You have to now say things that make them more certain. If someone's uncertain, the antidote for that is what? To create more certainty. How do you create more certainty? Well, what you're going to do is you're gonna take that initial presentation you made, which represents the frame, you're framing an airtight logical case, that's your initial presentation, and now you're gonna essentially loop back into presentation mode and pick up where you left off and fill in the missing blanks. So now when you combine your initial presentation with this follow-up presentation, those two presentations together are like, wow, it's the ultimate scream from the hilltops, airtight logical case. That's what you do when you loop. We call it a loop because visually on the straight line, what you've done is you were, watch, let me draw it out for you. I'm gonna take a sip of my Red Bull if I can find it. Where is it? Ah, there it is. It's being hiding behind my bull here. Okay, hold on. So watch. The reason we call it a loop is because on the straight line, you have your open, you have your close, right? You have your boundaries above, you have your boundaries below, right? You have open, close, you ask for the order for the first time around here, a third of the way down, meaning that you still have work to do. It's not like you wanna make your presentation so long, that's called front loading, that by the time you're done, there's nothing left for you to say. So you ask for the order for the first time here. These are your first four seconds. Here's your intelligence gathering, rapport building. Here's your presentation. You ask for the order for the first time, and yet you get hit for the first time with what? One of the common objections. Otherwise, they could have said yes, which would be right on the line. If someone says, yeah, let's do it, they buy it, that's a straight line sale, bam. 
lay down. They say no, very rare. Okay, we'll try to turn those around, but I'm just telling you it's very rare someone just says no. What they typically do is hit you with one of the common objections. Let me think about it, let me call you back, bad tummy, and so forth, right? So what we're doing here essentially is when we get, when we ask for the order for the first time, that is the end of the front half of the sale. The front half ends, the back side begins. They hit us with an objection, let's say it's, let me think about it. That's the first objection you get. What we want to do here is the first step of our looping process is called deflection. Meaning, we realize since we know that let me think about it doesn't really need to think about it, what they need to do is become more certain. We're not even gonna dignify let me think about it with a rebuttal. For example, I have another manual which, which you have as part of this course which will give you 30 or 40 things to say about let me think about it. They say let me think about it, it says okay well then you can say one of these things to rebut that objection. But if you were just to rebut the objection, if someone says let me think about it and you say well Jim I understand you want to think about it but I'm doing this a long time and people who are, who are smart and in the know they don't think about it blah 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 and you tell them all the reasons why they don't need to think about it and then you ask for the order again, guess what? You've accomplished nothing. Because let me think about it, let me think about it, was just a smokescreen for uncertainty. So if you just did that, you know what they would do? They would hop to a new objection. They'd say, yeah, okay, you're right. Let me just talk to my wife. And you'll see that happen every single time. They have hopped from objection to objection to objection because what you haven't done is addressed the root cause of the objection, which is uncertainty. So what we do with the straight line system is step one, when we get hit with the first objection, we deflect, meaning we don't answer the objection head on. We use this language pattern. We say, I hear what you're saying, Jim, but let me ask you a question. Does the idea make sense to you? Do you like the idea? You hear that? They say, oh, the sound, they say, sounds good, Joe. Let me think about it. I said, I understand you want to think about it, but let me ask you a question, Jim. Does the idea make sense to you? Do you like the idea? Or does the program make sense? Do you like, do you, do, you, do you see what I see, basically? I hear what you're saying, so watch. I hear what you're saying. We're not breaking before. I understand, I got it, Jim. I hear what you're saying. So yes, we're on the same page still, but let me ask you a question. Almost hypothetically speaking, money aside, does the pro program, does the idea make sense to you? Do you like the idea? That's deflecting the objection. So what would someone say if you use that money aside hypothetical tonality? They'll say, yeah, it sounds pretty good. That's the typical response you'll get. Or they might say, yeah, it sounds really good. They're a bit more certain. They might say, yeah, it sounds okay. They're less certain. So now, ah, for the first time, we finally know actually where they are on their level of certainty. I mean, the guy says, yeah, it sounds pretty good. He's at a six and a half or a seven. Someone says, yeah, it sounds okay. He's at a five and a half or a six. Someone says, yeah, it sounds all right. They're at a four or five. We finally now have some indication of where they are on the certainty scale 
as it relates to the product, good, or service, the idea at hand. So when I say, does the idea exist? Do you like the idea? They say, yeah, it sounds pretty good. I'm like, ah, I have work to do. That's not a 10. Now, if they said, oh yeah, Jordan, it's amazing. I say, exactly. It really is an amazing idea. If they said that, I'm pretty far along on the first 10. That means there's probably something else holding them back. But typically, they don't answer with that much enthusiasm. They'll say, yeah, it sounds pretty good. It's like a seven. So what do I do? I say, exactly. It really is a great idea. And I do what's called entering their world where they are. They say, yeah, it sounds pretty good. I don't say, exactly. Like, whoa, I didn't say that. Like, if you come on too strong there, they'll be like, whoa. <laughs> like, uh, I don't think he heard me. I said, yeah, it was decent. I didn't say, if I, so if I say, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. I'd say, exactly. Then I could come on strong. But if the prospect was like, yeah, it sounds pretty good. I say, exactly. So if they come in at a seven, I'll come in at a 7.1. I enter their world where they are. And then what I do is say, exactly, it really is a great idea. In fact, the true beauty of the program is, and now I loop back into presentation mode and I pick up precisely where I left off in the first initial presentation. So essentially, my first presentation framed the idea. It was very compelling. It's almost like if I was building a house, it was the foundation, it was the frame, it was the roof, the drywall, but now I'm gonna install the plumbing, the electricity, I'm gonna put a few decorations on and make it look real, give it a fresh coat of paint, and I fill in the missing pieces. So that's my secondary presentation I make. So I, again, get hit with a common objection, I deflect it, I use it as an opportunity to build more certainty for the first 10, and again, I know essentially where they are on the certainty scale, right? So I'm using that as an opportunity to loop back. I'm now gonna fill in the missing pieces with a secondary presentation that's even more compelling than the first. And together, when I finished my secondary follow-up presentation, I'm now gonna ask once again, say, Jim, you see what I'm saying now? Does it make sense to you? And you know what I'll say? Oh yeah, no, it really, I get it now. And I say, exactly. It really is a great idea. So what I've done now is watch. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Does the idea make sense? Do you like the idea? He says, yeah, it sounds pretty good. That's a six. But when I looped back and represented the idea and now asked him again, now do you see what I'm saying, Jim? He's like, oh yeah, of course. No, now that you said that, I get it. I say, exactly. It really is a phenomenal idea. And bam, just like that, I've moved him from a six to about a nine on the certainty scale. That's the purpose of that pattern. And I'm now in the middle of what's called my first loop. And remember, a loop is using an objection to build certainty for all three of the free tens. Now, so far, I've only touched on the first 10, the product. I still have to speak about myself and the company that stands behind, I mean myself the salesperson, and the company that stands behind the product.
Now, one more point here before I actually tell you how to do that, I want to also layer on a very important thing called pace, pace, lead. When I am answering that objection and beginning my loop, I say, yeah, exactly. It really is a great idea. I've entered their world where they are. So now watch my tone of voice. I'm going to make up funny words. I'm going to use real words. I say, exactly. It really is a great idea. In fact, the true beauty is it also has ABC going on. And it also has DEF too. And when you take ABC and DEF, it really together is an incredible situation. In fact, when you take all three of those things together, now what just happened? I entered their world where they are, and then I paced them, meaning I spoke in the same level of certainty as them, and then I continued to speak in the same level of certainty as them, and then slowly I ratchet up my own certainty. And I start speaking more and more certain. So in that pattern I'm doing, I say exactly. In fact, the truth is it also has ABC and it says DEF. And then you take DEF and ABC together. Well, Jim, guess what? You take those four and I start wrapping up my own certainty. When I'm ending that pattern, I say, now, Jim, you see what I'm saying here? Does it make sense to you? And he's like, oh, yeah, it really does. I say, exactly. And now I use my tonality to move him emotionally or her emotionally my words moved him or her logically so now in one swoop that one pattern i moved them logically and emotionally to much higher of higher levels of certainty for the first 10. that's what happened with that pattern now what i'm not going to do at this point is i'm not going to ask for the order yet i still have more work to do because remember there are three tens that need to be moved up on the certainty scale not one 